Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. All right, our new series. I've got a question for you. How many of you can relate to this? You're at a party. You make a goofy, weird comment, because that's kind of what you do. And the rest of the night goes on awesome, but all you think about is that one stupid comment you made. Anybody? Yes. Hello. Okay, or maybe, maybe you can relate to this. <laughs> Some of you are like, hello, spotlight on me. <laughs> How about this? Okay, you are giving a presentation, and everybody is listening attentively. They are locked on you, except for the one guy they can't stop looking at his phone. And then afterwards, you, get all, you, you, you can't even hear all of the awesome job compliments because all you're thinking about is the one guy on their phone. Anybody have that happen? Or maybe you work hard all day, and all you see is what you didn't get done or what you forgot. Yes? Okay, here's more. All our athletes, how many of you playing your best game ever? Most points, you just ace it so good. But all you think about is the shots you missed. Do you know, there is a word for that, or actually not a word, it's a phrase. It's called missing the forest for the trees. Why don't you say that with me? Missing the forest for the trees. It's when we get so focused on the details, the trees, that we miss the bigger picture, the forest. This is a huge weakness of mine personally, and my family and staff all will say aloud, amen. <laughs> Some of you might be able to relate. Anybody else relate to you were a missing the forest for the trees kind of person? It's terrible. It is like a curse over your eyes. You're just like, all you see is the little trees. But you know what? This is, it is, you know, a personal thing. It's kind of funny. I also think that... I think the modern church has succumbed to this missing the forest for the trees kind of thing as it relates to understanding the purpose of Jesus and what his life means for us today. We've gotten stuck on some trees and we've missed a forest. And I love how an author, pastor, Mark Clark, some of you, you can love him or hate him. He's quite an interesting guy, but I think what he says is so right on. He says, Christians today often miss what Jesus was about. They'll often say Jesus was primarily about dying for people's sins, or people being born again, or doing justice, or loving others. Taken in isolation, these answers miss the mark. Jesus' life and message was primarily about the kingdom of God, and specifically the kingdom of God coming to earth. Missing the forest for the trees. Jesus dying for our sins, important. Loving people, important. Doing justice, important. Born again, an absolute necessity for your eternal well-being, but they're trees in the bigger forest of God's kingdom. This is Jesus described it this way in Luke 4, 43. 
He said to them, it is necessary for me to proclaim the good news about the kingdom of God. Everyone say kingdom of God. It's necessary for me to proclaim the good news about the kingdom of God to the other towns also because I was sent for this purpose. What was his purpose? Preaching the good news about the kingdom of God everywhere. That was his purpose. Dying for our sins, I'll say it again, an important tree. Loving people, an important tree. Doing justice, an important tree. Being born again, an absolutely essential tree. But there is a forest called the kingdom of God that we in the modern Western church have completely forgotten about. And this is what we're going to be looking at over the next several weeks. Our series, Kingdom, Welcome to the Real World. Look at the person beside you and just tell them, Welcome to the Real World. Welcome to the Real World. The Real World. The Real World that we live in, according to Jesus, is the good news reality that the true King has come to earth to redeem and renew everything. The rightful king, God's right to rule on earth, the rightful king has come to earth and he is today ruling and reigning on earth. Now we're going to discover what this means over the next several weeks. And to do that, we're going to jump into the gospel of Matthew. Matthew is going to be our framework. And Matthew talks about God's kingdom more than any other book in the entire New Testament. In fact, the words king and kingdom are mentioned more in the book of Matthew than any other gospel and any other New Testament book. The book of Matthew is the only book that has the story of the Magi. Some of you know them as the We Three Kings. They don't know how many of them were, and they were more like sorcerer magicians than they were actual kings. But they were magi who brought very significant gifts to Jesus. They were kingly gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Matthew is the only gospel that tells that story. Something, interesting, something else interesting about the gospel of Matthew, in, in the actual crucifixion story of Jesus, all of the gospels tell this story. But only Matthew includes one event that none of the other gospels have. And when the soldiers were getting ready to beat Jesus and when they were mocking him and they stripped his clothes and they put on this purple robe, in Matthew, he records they put a scepter, a rod. It wasn't a rod. It was a scepter. Sorry, it wasn't a scepter. It was a rod in his hand. And that rod was symbolic of a king's scepter. They were mocking him as king of the Jews. Matthew is a kingdom gospel. In fact, he lays this kingdom thing out in a double hit right at the opening of his gospel, right the very beginning of the New Testament. Let's look at Matthew 1.1. Here we go. Matthew 1.1 is going to change your life. An account of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Everyone say Christ. The son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, there's a significance in there when he says that this is an account of the genealogy. That's the word genosis in Greek, which means Genesis. In other words, this is the genesis of Jesus. This is the origin story. What was Matthew doing? He was showing that, in a way, God was beginning almost like a restart 
of what he had intended for humanity in Genesis, but God was doing something brand new through his son, Jesus, who would be the perfect human. But this word, the genealogy of Jesus Christ, now Christ isn't Jesus' last name. It's a, some of you are like, oh, I don't want to think this. So finally somebody made that clear. It's the word in the Greek, it's Christos. And it was a very specific word. It meant anointed ruler king. And to say Jesus was the Christ was to say he was this Messiah king that Israel had waited many, 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 many centuries to come to make things right on the planet. He was the true king who had come to administer God's rule on earth, rescue Israel from their oppressors, and set up God's rule and reign on earth as God had intended things to be originally. This king was the promised and prophesied king, Isaiah 9. In fact, Matthew again quotes Isaiah more than any other gospel. In Isaiah 9, we hear this, the prophecy, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Listen to this, the dominion, the kingdom will be vast. Its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. We're going to look over the next few weeks at the key segments in Matthew that highlight what Jesus actually revealed, the main theme of his ministry message, what he revealed about God's kingdom here on earth. See, in the book of Matthew, we see Jesus not only announcing the kingdom of God, but over and over he's teaching it. Maybe you grew up in Sunday school or you went to you know, vacation Bible school or something like that, and you're familiar with a lot of the parables. How many of you remember the parable of the sower and the seed? How many of you are a parable of the, the pearl of great price? Or he talks about the net, or he talks about the seed, the mustard seed that grew into this huge tree, the little bit of yeast. Jesus over and over says the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like this, the kingdom of God is like this. He's teaching about the kingdom of God, but then also in Matthew, we see him bringing the reality of God's kingdom into people's lives. How did he do that? When he healed people. That's why he healed people. It wasn't just to fix a broken body then. He was healing people as an indication that what God was doing now, this was significant. Because God's people, the Jewish people, would have known, they would have heard these songs, they would have sang these songs, they would have heard these prophecies about when God would come and reign again on earth. There would be healing, there would be blind eyes that would be opened, there would be people who would be delivered. Why did people, Jesus, why did Jesus deliver people from demons? Because he was revealing the kingdom was here now. He was showing them this isn't just a one-off thing that you're gonna, I'm gonna give you a taste of it. And then I'm going to go, and now it sucks to be you till I come back. That's not what his message was. He was revealing this is happening now. And then he shows the upside-down nature of God's kingdom. And that's why we see him arguing and clashing with people like the Pharisees and some of the crowd. Heck, some of his own disciples didn't get it. But then of all the Gospels, 
The longest story, the longest description of the crucifixion, this was the clash of two kingdoms, man's kingdom and God's kingdom. Matthew tells the longest story about the most painful part of this kingdom coming to earth. And when Jesus dies and he rises again, he declares, he makes a statement that the other gospels don't say. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. What was he saying? I have the right to rule now. I have all power. All authority has been given to me. I am the true king. This is what he was announcing. Isn't that exciting? I get excited. We're going to unpack this over the next three weeks. This is going to be awesome. But here we go. Now. When we, here's problems you run into because when we start using words like king, kingdom, we kind of go, eh, because it doesn't really have a place in our everyday life. If it does, it's fairy tales, Disney, or your video games. And none of those are real. So for us, we hear something like king, kingdom, our brains kind of go, fairy tale, fantasy, not real. And this is unfortunate because for Jesus, the kingdom, in many ways, was more real than the physical world he was coming into. See, God's kingdom was his main message. Matthew 4, 17. From then on, Jesus began to preach, repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. A few verses later, again, Jesus began to go all over Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. See, what happens with the kingdom when we have an understanding of the kingdom the kingdom isn't a kingdom in an imagination way. The kingdom isn't a kingdom in an idea way. The kingdom is a kingdom in a reality where there's power released. So the good news of the kingdom. We're going to look at three things this morning. Number one, what did Jesus mean by this, the good news of the kingdom? Why is it a big deal? And what does it mean for us today? So, number one, what did Jesus mean by kingdom? Look again, Matthew 4, 4 17. Repent because the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now first, just a little Greek lesson. Has come near. That word, that, or sorry, that phrase, those three words in the Greek can mean a couple things. It means here, now, and it also means arriving. There is a now and a not yet to this kingdom of heaven that was coming. But what did Jesus mean? When Jesus said kingdom of heaven, he was not talking about a destination we go to at death. If we are followers of Christ and have become born again. In fact, when Jesus was on earth, he talked very little about the destination of heaven, especially being this ethereal place that we go to and we'll all be whisked up in some weird little thing that happens. That wasn't the message that Jesus came bringing. He wasn't talking about a destination, but what the kingdom of heaven meant. It, heaven was a way of describing God's space. It wasn't a place up there. You think of it more as a place right here that I can't see. When you see the word up in heaven, it wasn't an up as in looking up, it's up above me. More as an elevation of its authority, its power, its status. It's like you look up to your coach. You look up to somebody. You look up. 
He was given a promotion. We are, there's an upness of the kingdom. It's not this physical space of heaven, but heaven was the way that the Jewish people, they understood as a way of them describing God's space. In other words, the kingdom of heaven was now becoming, God's space was now in some way showing up on earth ahead of schedule. It was a present reality. God's rule and reign would now be present on earth. And this is why God's kingdom was the central message of Jesus' ministry. So, number two, why is this a big deal? Well, if we misinterpret the message, we miss out on everything that Jesus made possible for us to live in and experience now. See, what's happened, unfortunately, to a lot of the Western church, many of us, we've been raised with this idea of, you know, pray this prayer so someday when you die, you can go to heaven and not go to hell. And we have this just sit and wait, wait it out, wait it out. And it's kind of the wait it out. I'm waiting for heaven someday. This is a reason why a lot of you left church when you were younger. You were bored. It's just like, I don't want to wait. This is stupid. I'm waiting around for what? And we try to keep our nose clean and not getting ourselves all dirtied up because i got to wait it out. I'm going to heaven someday. Just got to wait it out. And I would like to submit to you that that's one of the reasons why our world is still in quite a broken mess. It's because the church has been holed up, waiting out for someday. And we have not been living and bringing the good news message that there is a kingdom here now that is vastly different than our broken, dysfunctional, corrupt, chaotic world. Jesus began to go all over Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease. Now this thing, Jesus proclaimed good news, not good advice. There is a difference. Now, a lot of our news today, it's advice and it ain't true. I'm just saying it. There's a lot that is called news that is not true. Or it's opinion. The kingdom was not Jesus' opinion. It was good news. And there's a very specific thing that it was announcing. It wasn't just daily news. It was history-changing, life-altering, world-shaking news that everything now is different. See, the good news, this word for good news or gospel, it's the gospel doesn't mean, just say this prayer, repent of your sins, Jesus will forgive you, and someday you'll go to heaven. That's not the gospel. The gospel is this Greek word, evangelion, or evangelion. I, however you pronounce it, I, there's a few different options. But it was a Greek word that meant a specific type of news. It was good news about some event that has changed things in a meaningful way. It's the announcement of something that has happened in history, something that has been done for you that changes your status forever. When the emperor, or soon to be Emperor Octavian, when he won the battle for Rome, there were heralds that were sent out all across Rome. And imagine you were a Roman citizen, you have been under oppression for many, many years, it's been terrible. 
And your leader went out and fought and won a significant battle that changed everything forever. The oppressors who are ruling over you are not in charge anymore. And so you're sitting in Rome, and all of a sudden through the streets, you hear this guy coming. He's saying, good news, good news, good news. We have a new emperor. His name is Octavian. Everything is different now. It's awesome. We won. Now that meant, yes, there was a new ruler. Did it mean everything automatically changed in Rome for you? No, because there was a lot of work to be done living under this new ruler. But this was that same word that they used, good news. It was good news. Something has changed, making everything different. This isn't good advice. This is news that you need to get used to. God's kingdom is here. It wasn't an idea. That Jesus and the disciples later would present. Why don't you think about this? No. It was news. It was something that happened. It was an event that happened that changed everything. And you need to get used to how things are going to be different now. God's rescue operation for the whole world was now coming through Jesus. There is a new king on the planet and things are forever different. So what does this mean for us today? Well, it means we're living in the now and the not yet of this kingdom reality. Let's back up a bit. Let's go through our story. God is king. Genesis 3 tells us that Instead of choosing God as king, humans chose to be king themselves. Except that's not what was going down. They believed a lie. And in that lie, by choosing and rejecting God as king, what they were doing is they were turning over themselves, all humanity, and all creation over to an enemy king who would enslave them and put all of creation in captivity. That's our story. And that was, everyone say was. That was the state of things on the planet before Jesus arrived. And when he arrived. That was the state of things when Jesus, excuse me, when he arrived. But since Jesus Christ's arrival that is not our story. Things are different. Something happened when God in the flesh showed up on earth to rule and to reign. The Messiah King come to administer God's rule on earth when he showed up declaring God's kingdom is here. It meant something significant. And through his life, what Jesus went on to do, he went on to accomplish two things. Number one, he had to deal with the enemy king. And this is what he did when he went to the cross. He had to deal with the current ruler by getting into the mess and the brokenness and taking on the sin of all humanity. He became God in the flesh, a man. And he went to the cross 
and he took all of our sin. He took all of our brokenness. He took all, Paul describes it, all the broken and fragmented and dislocated pieces of the universe. He took all of that into himself and he absorbed it into himself. That's why he said, what Paul says in Corinthians, the one who knew no sin became sin for us. It doesn't mean Jesus sinned. It means he took on and all of the sin absorbed, all of the brokenness, all of the darkness, all evil, all the power of evil. He absorbed it into himself and when he died and went into the grave, he broke the power of that to now rule. He broke the rule. He took away the rule. He defeated the ruler that had all of creation and all of humanity in captivity. That was a big deal. That is the reality we live under now. Because not only that, he took back all the power and authority. And when he rose from the dead, he said, all power and authority has been given to me. Now you go, and I'm with you. He has all power and authority now. And guess what? He shares it with us, humans who choose to surrender our right to rule ourselves and surrender to him as our king and let him rule over our lives. That's what it means for Jesus to be your Savior and your Lord. He is your King. It's not an idea. It's not a suggestion. It is a reality. You're either living surrendered or you're not. Welcome to the real world! <laughs> so... Here's the big question. Why are things still a mess in the world? Why is there still much, so much brokenness? Say this with me. Say now and not yet. We're living in the now of God's kingdom. We're also living in the not yet of God's kingdom. And what this means is something so significant for us because it means that whenever we experience that longing in us for God, why don't you make this right? Why don't you fix this? Why don't you do that? Why don't you do this? We need to remind ourselves that God already has now. And someday we're going to experience the completeness of that. And this is why we need to be people. I love what Mike said earlier. You've got to choose your heart. As we've got to be the people that learn how to live in this tension. Recognizing that some of the desires we have inside, some of that, this is not right. You're damn right. There's a lot that's not right. And some of those things we get to see the fulfillment of now. I have seen crazy miracles happen. Healing is for today. Don't you dare tell me it stopped with the apostles. Healing is for today. Miracles and deliverance are for today. I am all for counseling. I think it's important. I have had lots of counseling in my life. I also know the power of deliverance where Jesus with the word set people free. And some of you don't have six months to go through some counseling. You need the delivering power of God now in your life. 
I wish I could say the church is there, but we're not quite yet. We're getting there. And every once in a while we hear pockets, we see stories of what God is doing. But someday we'll experience a full and complete outworking. So what do we have in the meantime? God, when will you make things right? When will justice come to my abusers? Well, the kingdom reality is, guess what? I have forgiven you everything. So now you can give that forgiveness to your abusers, to those who've wronged you, even if they never ask you for an apology. That's kingdom. Well, there's still poverty. Yes, there is. And Jesus actually said, you will always have the poor among you. I wonder what that's going to be like. But you know what kingdom is? Kingdom is I don't need to live selfishly. But I can sow into the house of God. I can sow into the kingdom of God. I can, we can help the poor and give to those in need. Well, what about my body? It's, God, when are you going to bring this healing to this disease or this ailment? Well, there is healing today. It's called the supernatural touch of God. It's called learning how to take care of your body, eat right, exercise, and sleep. That is kingdom, and you think I'm joking, but I can show you a ton of scriptures where that is kingdom. There's still so much chaos and confusion. The kingdom reality is you get peace and courage in the middle of the storm. I'm gonna invite you to stand. Well, what does God's kingdom mean for us on a personal level? How do we get to experience this? Well, Jesus said one word. Matthew 4, 17. He began to preach and said, repent. Everyone say, repent. Repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. What was he saying? Was he saying, Fall down on your knees and feel like a schmuck. And I'm so unworthy, I'm unworthy, I'm so bad. I did this and this and this. No, that word repent means to think differently about life. Which includes the lifestyle you've been living that hasn't been kingdomly. Where you've been living your own will and not surrendered to the king's will and his edict, his word. But that repent means to change what Jesus was inviting people into. He was saying, change, I need you to think differently about the world that you live in. The physical world that is broken, that is full of chaos, that is full of injustice, that is full of wrong, that is full of abuse, that is full of pain and heartache and disappointment and disease and sickness. That is not the only world there is. There is this other reality called the kingdom of God. And if you can begin to think differently and turn away from the thought, the ideas and the seduction and looking to the things of this world to supply what will only be met in my kingdom through my life and my love filling you. If you will continue to turn away, repenting every day, thinking differently about life every day, you'll get to experience a reality of this kingdom life now every single day. There is a new king who has come and brought his kingdom with him. If you will surrender your will to rule your life, and bring your life under his good and gracious rule, your life will begin to be healed and you will find wholeness. I want to pray. Everyone close your eyes and can we raise our hands? I just want to invite
place for a moment to just, oh God, your kingdom come. You told your disciples, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Church, you know what? I know the band's going to lead us in this song about resurrender, but before we go into this moment, I want to lead us in this prayer. What does it mean to surrender? How do I surrender? Some of you have maybe, I don't know, have I surrendered? I don't know if I have or not. And I just want to simply give us language. Can we pray this together? And this is a prayer of just surrendering our life and yielding our life to the King. Just say, Jesus, thank you for everything that you've accomplished through your life and death and your resurrection. Thank you that you came to save me from my sin, from my brokenness. And thank you that you've translated me into the kingdom, your kingdom here on earth now. I surrender my will to your rule and reign in my life. Jesus, be my king, be my Lord from this day on. Amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.